And I hate to interrupt that song, but you know what time it is? It's time for the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM for Wednesday, June 20th. You're listening on CITR 101.9 or CITR.ca. Welcome aboard. Yes, it is the Arts Report on Wednesday, June 20th. I am so happy to be back. Ladies and gents, last week we had an amazing fill-in from Ariel Fournier. Uh, unfortunately, no podcast for that, but we will upload all the interviews and special goodies for you on our Mixcloud, CITR Arts Report on Mixcloud. Today on the Arts Report, we're doing something a little special. Uh, we are going to cede our territory to Aboriginal Voices with a series of interviews with participants of the National Aboriginal Day celebration, um, which is happening tomorrow, um, let's see, 12 to 5, I believe, 12 to 5 at Trout Lake Park. And, you know, it's been happening all June and will continue to happen until the 29th. But tomorrow is the special event. CITR will be there at Trout Lake interviewing participants. So you can stay tuned for more of that. Uh, on Monday from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. And you can check out more information about the celebrations at um, com. But for today, we are going to have a, a few interviews with some of the participants in the celebrations. We're going to have a little bit of music. And uh, I also want to recognize that UBC is located on the unceded ancestral territory of the Hukuminen-speaking Musqueam people. Well, thank you very much for letting us spend some time here. Wanted to fill you in on where I've been. I was at the National Community Radio Conference. I don't know if you can hear the sultry husk that I have going on right now. Um, I'm thinking of maybe keeping it around. Let me know what you think. But that is because I had way, way, way too much fun and met an amazing group of people. And we just talked and sang and uh, did lots of really amazing learning and doing when it came to the role of radio and community radio in our lives. And I got to learn a lot about what I do here, which is spoken word arts coverage. I got to learn a lot about developing community with my fellow programmers. And I got to meet a lot of people who are from stations all over Canada. Now, one of the people that was there uh, was Gungario Sullivan. Now, um, if you're not familiar with her, you should be. She's the long-term host of When Spirit Whispers, Mondays from 1 to 2.30 p.m. on CFRO, 102.7 FM, better known as Co-op Radio, Vancouver Co-op Radio. And she airs reviews and interviews with First Nations artists, musicians, and activists. Gunagari is also the host of the Indigenous music and interview show Nation, Nation to Nation, CJSF, and she leads the Aboriginal Caucus at the NCRA, and she um, she occupies the uh, a seat on the board, and did some amazing speaking and presentations at the NCRC. Uh, she also hosted the open mic, and she got people involved with the children's powwow that was happening in Kingston over the week that we were there. And I'm sure you can be able to say hi when you go to Trout Lake tomorrow between 12 and 5 p.m. And one of the things that is most obvious about her is her passion for her community and for supporting her community and making sure that other people support them 
as well. Um, she helped lead the opening and closing ceremonies with the local elder, um, which was a very moony, moving description of our relationship to each other and the earth and our community as communicators. And uh, I wanted to have her involved with today's show because, you know, she is a, a preeminent voice for uh, her community, the Aboriginal community, and really Vancouver's community, because I don't want to place too many boundaries between us. And we're all communicators and we are trying to um, make this place a little bit better, a little more artistic, a little more diverse. So I wanted to have her voice on our show today. And Matthew Grunland from Stranded uh, knows her and was kind enough to speak to her a little bit about uh, some of the ongoing struggles of First Nations peoples living in Canada and to reveal the story of how she discovered community radio and the transformative effect it had on her. So um, thank you so much to Matthew and uh, Ganagi for you know, speaking with us and we uh, are going to have a, a little bit from them right now. Please, please enjoy. So I'm here with uh, Gunaji O'Sullivan. Gunaji is a First Nations uh, broadcaster here in the city. She does work on two stations, CJSF at Simon Fraser University and uh, Co-op Radio, where I guess you've been a long-term contributor here. I sure have. Yeah? Yeah. So, Gunaji, whereabouts are you from? Which First Nations? Well, I'm of the Kwapakiwak people and the Tlaoitsis Nation. And Tlaoitsis means mad, angry people. So you better watch you don't get me mad <laughs> or I'll get madder. Okay, uh, we've been warned. Yeah. Um, and, and what geographically, where exactly? Well, uh, that's on Turner Island, but I was born in Alert Bay. And Turner yeah. Island is currently up for negotiation in BC. And mm -hmm. I have to say... Um, not as a broadcaster, but as a Tlaoitsis member. I'm very disappointed in the treaty negotiation that is happening here in BC. I think it's unfair, just like everything else that First Nations of people are put through. And um, also that the people should be aware of the reason we are not hearing about the treaty negotiations in the media is because a lot of our leaders have signed away their rights to talk mm -hmm. about the treaty negotiations to the media until negotiations are complete. Hmm. What is wrong with that picture? We're not seeing a process. We're not. Yeah. 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 Because it's unfair, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of overlapping issues are going on in and around treaty negotiations, land overlaps, and it's turning one nation against another, and then also uh, even within nations, people are, let's say, squabbling over little pieces of land. You know, the Niskas actually gave up a chunk of land. Now the Kinkola people who are within that nation mm. are in court trying to prove that they are the right people to consult over that land. Mm. That's wrong. So that's who I am in a nutshell, and that's how I feel about treaty negotiations. Right. As a Tlaoitsis woman, uh, mm -hmm. I'm very mad and angry about <laughs> the mm. treaty negotiations, and rightfully so. Mm. And it's something that I, as a broadcaster, want to explore further. Mm -hmm. And I want to be able to do it in a way that is informative to the people, mm. so that we can come to a point where we can step up and make some decisions as band members. And some of that comes, first of all, 
by knowing who you are. You have to know who you are mm-hmm. and where to go, you know, yeah. to, to speak up for yourselves. How did you get in? How did you get into doing this broadcasting? Well, uh, that's an interesting story and, and a personal one. I have a brother, and his name is Raymond Williams. And I was uh, adopted when I was younger. My brother was fostered out, so we were not able to meet each other until I was nineteen and he was twenty-three years old. Um, so uh, turns out that my brother Raymond Williams did a radio program here at Co-op Radio, and it was called When Spirit Whispers. He worked with another lady by the name of Carrie Charlie. So he introduced me to radio and continuously like egged me on, come on, come on, you can do it, you can do it. Hmm. And I was like, no, 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 I can't. I've never done that before. I don't know if I can. He said, you would be perfect for radio. You look great on radio. <laughs> Uh, not only was I introduced to radio, but I was also introduced to culture. Mm. Um, one of the first things I saw was Panici with her sweet grass and lighting it on fire and the smoke arising and her feather, you know, mm. swaying back and forth. And I stepped up close to my brother and I said, what is she doing? Mm. What is going on over there? You know, and he's like, oh, she's praying. Uh, she's doing a thing called smudging. Mm. And so, that was my introduction to radio, that was my introduction to culture. Mm. Then I got more acquainted with radio. Mm. At that time we were mostly playing music in here and it was like Redbone, Buffy St. Marie, mm. Robbie Robertson, a little bit of seaweed, mm. you know, mm. and Redbone, and Buffy St. Marie, a little bit of seaweed, mm. you know, mm. and Redbone, and Buffy St. Marie, mm. and a little bit of seaweed, mm. and maybe mm. some Robbie Robertson. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I get the point. Yeah, so we, we kind of like decided to bring more people from the community into the station and that helped us to move things forward and to promote First Nations people. You know, like, uh, there's a lot of musicians that have started out here at Co-op Radio and probably at CITR, mm-hmm. you know, who are of First Nations descent. Like, maybe at, um, at that time, there are some people that are, like, didn't identify themselves as First Nations mm. out of shame because yeah. there wasn't and, and still isn't a lot of coverage on First Nations people in the media, not mm. even com- at a community level. Exactly. Right? So um, a lot of people who were doing things thought it better not to identify themselves as First Nations. Uh, I see. Yeah. So they didn't. Robbie Robertson was a prime example. Mm. Here he was, the band. Mm. Wasn't he part of Cream? No, he wasn't Cream. No, he was part of Black Jack. Yeah, he played, you know, and then he was had his own gig going on, and it wasn't until the Oka crisis in 1999 that he actually came out as a Mohawk man. Wow. After that, his albums changed from uh, basically mainstream music to uh, the Native American album that he did, and then uh, Mm. the Underworld of Red Boy. Mm. And Underworld of Red Boy is really highly political. Mm. That's why we're not hearing that in the mainstream. Words like sacrifice and rattlebone and ghost dance don't seem to mix well with mainstream media Mm -hmm. and it should it really should i would like to see stations embracing first nations culture rather Mm -hmm. than turning their backs on us 
Well, it seems that in a, an environment like co-op, community radio is where people can push the limits. You don't, you know, no one here is waiting for the mainstream to take the initiative. So you have, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. and other people are finding themselves through what you do. I love radio. Yeah, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, I found myself. Mm-hmm. A part of who I am through doing this. I have um, most of the education that I have is due to the interviews that I've yeah. held with various guests over the years. What What is your vision for Aboriginal programming, ideally, in you know, in the country? I would like to see the stations have First Nations programs uh, that acknowledges First Nations of that territory. Mm, so for mm. sure, it's the Salish, mm, right? Mm. Um, and I think that this is important because uh, we're basically invisible no matter where we are, even in our own communities, and our own territories, that it would be nice to be acknowledged and recognized and even given a voice. Mm, mm. You know, we can take baby steps if you mm. want, or we can take big steps and hit it home. Uh, First Nations people and our ideas are valuable. We're really, we have great personalities. We are a giving people. We always have been and always will be. It's our nature. And and let's face it, the the Indigenous worldview that has respect for nature is uh, crucial to the healing of this planet. If we just listen more. Yeah. Uh, It would help to heal our own communities too. Um, Because we are going through this age of uh, truth and reconciliation and the residential school agreement. And I would just like to say that if people maybe are not ready to reach out into the First Nations community and don't feel like that door is open or they're not, the, the people themselves are not ready, one thing that you can do if you're from a station is you could start out the day with a welcoming song from that territory it could be as plain and easy as that at Mm. the end of the day you can do a closing song from that territory Mm. you can reach out to somebody who's young and just learning the song and get them to do it or an elder and get them to do it you know it would help revive that elder if an elder was asked to do something like that it would give him a lot of hope or Mm. her a lot of hope yeah. that uh, this station is recognizing them and taking note of them and their culture. Awesome. Thank you so much to Matthew and Ganaji for uh you know, speaking a little bit about those issues and I wanted to, um, sorry, I, I mispronounced her name earlier and I apologize for that. Um, a little bit of post NCRC hangover. One of the things that actually came out of our meeting was some resolutions about what we will actually do with, um, supporting the, the very types of things that she was talking about. So that was really, really exciting for me to see the kinds of things that are in action. I uh, We're going to take a little bit of a break and I'm going to come back with a little bit more information about what UBC is doing to celebrate UBC Aboriginal History Month or what they're calling it, UBC Aboriginal Unhistory Month. So please, please, please stay tuned. If you like science, kinetic sculptures, robots, music, lasers, crafts, and much, much more. 
And you won't want to miss the greatest show-and-tell on Earth, Vancouver Mini Maker Fair, June 23rd and 24th at the Pacific National Exhibition. Visit makerfair.ca for more details. That's M-A-K-E-R-F-A-I-R-E. In Canada, June is recognized as National Aboriginal History Month and culminates on June 21st, which is National Aboriginal Day. CITR is a proud supporter of National Aboriginal History Month and is pleased to bring you special programming as well as highlights of events taking place throughout the month of June. On Friday, June 19th, there will be a special screening of the film What I Learned in Class Today from 1 to 3 in the Fraser River Room in the Irving K. Barber Learning Centre. June 21st is National Aboriginal Day. Join us at the Musqueam Community Rec Centre from 11 a.m. to noon, then from noon to 5 at Trout Lake for a full day of celebration and music. June 22nd, the Waywall Library at 1985 West Mall Street will be having a special open house and cook-off starting at 11 a.m. And on June 25th, listen to CITR from 3 to 5 for music and interviews celebrating National Aboriginal History Month. And don't forget to visit the special Aboriginal community displays on show at the Irving K. Barber Learning Centre all through the month of June. All this and more brought to you by CITR and the National Aboriginal Unhistory Month. For more information, visit bcnationalaboriginalday.com. Yeah, that's UBC Aboriginal Unhistory Month. You heard it right. And their goal is to cultivate conversations. Um, recently, I spoke with Sarah DuPont and Amy Perot, uh, both having Métis heritage and had experience moving through school as quote-unquote Aboriginal students. And, uh, you know, the passion and the connection that they felt towards that experience was evident when I talked to them. Specifically, I talked to them about the events and art that is happening uh, throughout the month at UBC and will continue to happen until the 29th. Sarah DuPont is the Aboriginal Engagement Librarian and Waywa at the A- at the Waywa Library, excuse me, and is part of the First Nations Longhouse. Uh, and the idea for the participation in the Aboriginal Unhistory Month came actually, she mentions, from Alan Cho, the program librarian at the Irvin K. Barber uh, Library. Uh, the ideas uh, came up to do a display around National Aboriginal Unhistory Month and to put together a committee to organize it. Amy Perot is facilitating the conversation around the project and co-developed the project What I Learned in Class Today. You heard that just in the spot recently. And and her focus is getting students to talk about problematic conversations and to co-facilitate those conversations with another filmmaker, Mariel Sparks Cardinal. She is working towards commonality between students in a classroom space. The other nice thing about this project is there is musqueam participation as there must be to be a a really representative project representatives have curated one of the display cases with info about the sesnam um, history sesnam site history or you may know it as the marple site uh, the current and their current protest and they'll be screening a film uh, musqueam through time you can check it out online if you weren't able to get to the screening so I spoke to Sarah and Amy um, a little bit more about the goals of this project, about how this will affect students and about what they hope people will get out of the entire um, Unhistory Month project. 
We're calling the event um, Aboriginal Unhistory Month, and it's kind of a play on what the government of Canada has designated the month of June to be. Um, so they call the month of June uh, National Aboriginal History Month. And, you know, we put our heads together and um, we kind of thought the whole idea of being labeled as a history month kind of relegates um, the discussion to the past. And it doesn't really really celebrate what's taking place um, here in the present research um, environment and the learning and teaching environment here at UBC. It doesn't bring into the conversation um, our community um, and our cultural experiences that are taking place now and the celebration of uh, how proud we are of our different uh, varied cultural influences. And so we put the un in front of the history in brackets to kind of make a statement uh, about our our history as um, something that has shaped who we are today, but also something that we want to um, celebrate in the here and now. So kind of uh, getting a bunch of voices together to bring that conversation to the present. Um, yeah, the title, I I had breakfast with um, Larry Grant. He's an elder in residence at the Longhouse, and he's also an adjunct professor in the First Nations Languages Program. And I said, well, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> I know they're going to ask me about the title. Um, and uh, he showed me this uh, chronology of history, and a lot of the dates on here are not dates that will stand out for your average student at UBC. And, um, you know, he talked about an unlearned history that is really important to, to bring into the, college, uh, the common knowledge and framework of a student's vocabulary at UBC. Because if we knew about the history that we didn't learn about before getting to UBC, I think we would have different conversations here. So I think it's important to, you know, bring the dates up. And, and, and once people understand what's happened you know, digging some of the past up that, you know, it isn't always pretty, but we have to dig it up. We have to know what people coming here have to learn it. So when I saw the title for the first time, the thing that came to mind was the idea of official history as well. So the idea not just of, um, and I like what you said about bringing into the present, but also the idea of if you are going to look at history, which is, is important to know where you came from, whose history are you reading and from whose perspective? Um, so is that one of the conversations that is being engaged during this is, is about who is representing history and how it's represented in things like museums, classes, um, books, that kind of, that kind of process? Absolutely. Um, at the Weiwa Library, it's part of our collection development mandate to collect um, resources that have been written um, with, an with an Indigenous perspective, um, so either by Indigenous people or included um, consultation with Indigenous people. So I think that that theme kind of runs throughout all of the programs and events that are taking place this month to really bring um, Indigenous voices uh, into the not only the investigation of what what our history was, um, but also how we would like it represented today. And my idea was, I want to have these conversations in places you 
wouldn't think to have these type of conversations. You know, we have we have um, the Museum of Anthropology, we have the First Nations House of Learning. People just assume that there's these places where these conversations have and where, I guess, Aboriginal people hang out. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like I get asked, when I tell people what I do, I get asked, oh, well, you must work at the Longhouse. No, I don't. I work in IK Barber Learning Centre. Um, so just challenging that a bit and... Yeah, I guess um, it, it brings back just a, uh, something that one of the students in my film talked about, Dara Kelly. You know, she she said this comment that a student had made, and it just really struck her. But what she said was, um, "It's like they thought I'm not here," you know. Uh, and so, something I would like to challenge people and and the visibility of where these conversations happen and also get other people talking about it not just you know people in first nation studies or you know um or indigenous people have other people speak to their entry point in this conversation how do they come in could you give us a taste of a conversation starter or a a example of a, a difficult conversation that is useful but maybe people might not normally engage with? I've been fortunate enough to attend uh, the Classroom Climate Series um, that Amy has put on through CTLT and so it's it's been a pleasure um, being able to experience some of the conversations and dialogues that take place um, in a small room that brings together faculty, staff, and some graduate students as well. Um, and a lot of examples have come out of these conversations throughout the series. But I think for for my learning, one of the greatest tools that uh, Amy was able to share with me was the Indigenous Foundations website. and. I've been able to use this as a resource for conversations that come up in my work at the library. For example, when students come and they have questions about, you know, which which term do I use to refer to Aboriginal peoples? Um, is it okay to say First Nations? Is it okay to say Native? What is the difference? What do they mean? Um, it's been a really great resource to be able to point people to. So I guess, um, you know, it, it's a conversation starter, it's a resource, and it enables the student to, or the whoever I'm talking to, to dive deeper into um, what other issues they may be grappling with when wanting to have difficult conversations. Do you think that this also addresses the idea um, of a... Because uh, there's a, a, a space kind of when people um, may be underrepresented in a certain population and there's that tightrope walk between being able to have that person move throughout the space and uninhibited but at the same time acknowledging difference um, because I think that's that's sort of a really important tool without like othering the people and how does this affect the, the, the Aboriginal student? I think just having the conversation um, happen and the institution recognized the value and importance of being able to contribute and talk to, um, you know, classroom climate, um, Aboriginal history, getting people comfortable because it's the silence and people's lack of comfort in talking about this that really puts the burden on Aboriginal... Well, it put the burden on me when I was a student here as an Aboriginal student. Um, the awkward silences were difficult to work with um, so having an instructor that's more confident to, you know, when a situation happens, carry it through so, you know, the students aren't leaving class and wondering what the heck happened. Mm -hmm. um, having your peers or 
you know, other people that you engage in conversations with, know a little bit more or, or be curious or want to know instead of having it be this siloed thing. And so I think part of this is, is educating, part of it is experience, part of it is bring community together. Um, people working on campus. You know, it's difficult sometimes. Somebody will be working on one project, somebody's working on another. You know, by chance, you go to an event at the Longhouse and you're like, hey, I haven't seen you in a really long time. So it's just bring community together so we can catch up. Yeah. And and celebrate what each other is working on and working towards and uh, bringing it to to light in a sense of, of putting um, our our success and our, our work, um, giving it a space, giving it a space to be celebrated. Thank you so much to Sarah and Amy for joining me in studio. Uh, it was actually a couple of weeks ago. I wanted very much to have this show um, represent what was going to be happening tomorrow. And I was away for almost two weeks. So I wanted to make sure that I got their voices on record. You can check out more information about what has happened so far this month and what will be happening until the 29th at a plethora of resources. For example, you have the aboriginal.ubc.ca slash longhouse slash slash Waywa library. Um, that is an uh, interesting spelling. It is XWI7XWA hyphenated. So it's representing the oral language, obviously. Library.ubc.ca slash aboriginal portal. Or as... Uh, Sarah mentioned indigenousfoundations.arts.ubc.ca and that will give you a lot of information uh, about some of the things that she spoke about, about how to speak about these issues and it, uh, I, I find the best way is to ask questions, always ask questions. I don't think anyone ever is insulted by the opportunity to express themselves in their own words because people so rarely get that chance, don't they? Um, A lot of words being put down in people's mouths already. Um, Next up, we are going to learn a little bit about Murray Porter. And Murray Porter is a a, uh, blues musician, and he is going to be headlining tomorrow at June tw- uh, June 21st at Trout Lake from 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. And he's going to be headlining um, as their uh, one of their many amazing artists. He's a 2012 Juno Award winner for Songs Lived and Life Played. And as he says in his bio, he's a red man singing the black man's blues living in a white man's world. I thought what I would do is play you a little bit. That quote is from the song Colors, and I'm going to play you some of his music. We will hear some of his words, and then we can learn a little bit more about some of the artists and events that will be happening tomorrow. So please enjoy uh, this song, Colors, and then when we get back, we'll hear a little bit from uh, Murray Porter, interviewed by CJ from News 101.9 and Disco to Radio, which is coming up next. Get them blues 
Chicago, Memphis, Tennessee, maybe darling, back on rules. I had to live, I shook my head, said son, you would never believe. I grew up hard, I grew up mean, but it wasn't down in New Orleans. My ghetto was a reservation, gravel roads instead of paved, plants and trees instead of concrete and steel, but some things are the same. Can't find no job. Can't find a way out Lord, I paid my dues See, I'm a, a red man Singing the black man Living in a white man world A red man Singing the black man Living in a white man's world Here with uh, Gurunji O'Sullivan. This is Gurunji O'Sullivan, and you're listening to CITR on 101.9. Thank you for joining us as we celebrate Aboriginal Day this June 21st, 2012. I'm here talking to Murray Porter. Murray, thank you for taking the time to talk to us here on CITR 101.9 FM. 
For our listeners, uh, Murray Porter, for the past 30 years, has been a singer and songwriter and blues, jazz, piano player who has been singing about the socially and politically complicated history and struggles of Aboriginal communities across Canada. So, Murray, could you tell us uh, when and how did your interest in blues music begin and how did you pursue it? Uh, did the radio have something to do with it? Well, uh, I began when I was a young man and uh, I grew up in Ontario. Six Stations Reserve is in southern Ontario and... Uh, we're not far from uh, Toronto, we're not far from Buffalo, we're not that far from Detroit. So it's a pretty urban area. And uh, late at night I could get uh, on the radio, AM radio, uh, radio stations from Chicago, busting off the lake there. And uh, so that's why I first heard. I was about 13 years old on the covers. I heard B.B. King saying, the thrill is gone. Wow. <laughs> and I began to be a blues fan from that moment. So w when did you start playing the piano? Well, my, this, this happened shortly after my parents got a piano for my sister to take lessons. I didn't take lessons, but uh, she would go and do her thing, and then I could hear it. And when she would leave, I would go and play the same thing without taking any lessons. It would make her mad. <laughs> <laughs> so she eventually gave up playing, and I kept playing. And uh, so I, I, I taught myself to play. Um, I just uh, wanted to do it so bad. I just wanted to play. And so, uh, as you as you began to learn, and you 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 played in bars and clubs in Ontario, is that right? Oh yeah, for many years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I mean, well, it, you know, in anything, you got to learn to learn your trade, learn your craft, and one way to do it is by playing uh, other people's music and uh, learning how it's done. And so I did that for many years, and uh, so a lot to a lot of people until they start to have their own voice and uh, begin writing your own songs. So that's uh, that's how I began. Absolutely, and and do so. You definitely do. You think that uh, as you traveled uh, in you know in New York and Ontario and around the Americas, did, were you influenced by the things you saw, uh, especially uh, from an Aboriginal perspective? Well, every every aspect of my life is influenced by uh, my being native, and that's who I am. At the heart of my being is is, uh, is who I am. So uh, everything I do and everything I see is comes from my perspective, which is a, a native perspective, so, uh, and growing up on the reserve, too, uh, my whole life, uh, gives me another, uh, another perspective that the average person wouldn't get, mm -hmm. so, yeah, yeah, everything, everything is, uh, is, uh, is touched by my, uh, by being native, yeah, of course. Ab absolutely, and, and you were, uh, recently awarded a Juno, congratulations. Thank you very much, yes, I've, uh, got the Juno for the Aboriginal Recording of the Year for 2012, this year. Yes, and so the album was called the Songs Lived and Life Played. That's and so, correct. Yeah, and uh, when I first, I first saw, I saw it and I thought that's a really interesting name because it, it tells us about how the songs you've written and the music you've played and the places you've traveled to has sort of become so intertwined in your life, especially when it comes to Aboriginal culture. So talk, talk to us a bit about how the album was named. Well, I, the funny part was we, I, we had recorded the tracks and it was all finished and we were trying to figure out a name for it. So I had a bunch of people over and we we sat around, we maybe uh, five or six, seven of us trying to come up with a name and we had a long list of pages and pages and I, I didn't like any of them. <laughs> finally, I started to get uh, tired. I was going to go to bed and I finally I just said, you know what, I'm going to call it Songs Lived and Life Played. Good night, people. <laughs> and uh, and that was it. Just stuck. It just it just came to me in a, in a moment, and uh, that was it. Yeah, excellent. I mean, life played. It's it's such a simple, uh, you know, couple of words, but it it takes everything from whatever you've done. Exactly. You know, and that, and that it it was just one of those uh, moments.
moments where it just boom, it was just there, and it seemed like it meant to be. It was meant to be, and uh, and sure enough, a lot of a lot of great things. I've also been uh, nominated. Uh, I just found out this week for two West Coast Music Awards. Yes. Uh, for Aboriginal album of the year and blues album of the year, so I'm pretty excited about that. That's fantastic. Um, so now June 21st is National Aboriginal Day, which is part of National Aboriginal History Month. So tell tell us what Aboriginal uh, Day means to you. Well, I, I think it's a day where we can celebrate who we are, so to be proud of who we are. So many years we're, we were oppressed and and told that. Uh, then you know our old ways are not the right ways. We had to be uh, wake up and smell the coffee and, and forget all that and assimilate into with society. You know, and uh, June twenty first is the day where we get to say no, no, it's not. That's not it. We are who we are. We're never going to change that. And that's the day when we all celebrate. And uh, I'll be proud to be. Uh, I'm going to be at Chart Lake in Vancouver here uh, yes. at the celebrations there that uh, on June twenty first in the afternoon. So people are around come on down to that it's going to be fabulous absolutely there'll, there'll be many performers including Garrett Stevens uh, Noreen Brown and Brandy McCollum yes uh, and I saw Brandy play last year she's a great singer songwriter yes. wonderful musician so you should go check it out absolutely and so do you, do you see do you see the diversity of Vancouver's indigenous population reflected in the celebrations do you see yeah. different people no, coming I'm, I'm sure there's, there's, uh, there's a hip hop artist there's a uh, there's jazz artists, there's a, 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 myself, a blues artist, and there's cultural dance groups. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's really great. The, the young people today are, uh, are taking it a step further. So, yeah, the diversity is really amazing in this town. It's great. Absolutely. And it's, it's definitely true that it, it is from the, the youth where things have to go forward. Uh, so t- tell us, well, what do you think uh, this will be like in the future? What's what's the vision you share with the community about uh, Aboriginal History Month? Well, I just want everyone to realize, I mean, that uh, um, so, so you, you got to um, look deeper into, uh, we're not just about uh, headdresses and, and feathers. I mean, there's a bit deeper uh, respect for the land and respect for the nature and, uh, and learning to live in it and not rule over it. And uh, so there's some things that people need to uh, take into consideration that they sometimes they don't do. Absolutely. And e- even on a political level, in terms of getting involved with the system, getting the, getting the word out on things that need to... Need yeah, to especially, uh, you know, like the missing and murdered w- women. Like, how can this go on? I mean, I, you know, it's just ridiculous. And, uh, you know, we gotta, we got to find out what's happening. And, and by trying to put a stop to it, it's... Uh, it's an epidemic, and uh, and uh, I and I hate to say it, but if it was uh, there was ten thousand missing uh, or a hundred missing white white women, blonde, uh, well-to-do women, there would be an uproar, unbelievably. Uh, but when they're poor and they're Aboriginal and they're maybe living on the streets or you know uh, they're marginalized, and uh, that, that's got to change. Absolutely, it's very true. We need to change our perspective on the way we view things in society now. Exactly. Yes. Well, uh, Murray, thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to say to, to get people to come out to the celebrations? Well, uh, if you're not doing anything tonight, I'm at the Fairview Pub <laughs> on, on Broadway. I played a one of the Res Blues show there with a couple other uh, up-and-coming young uh, Vancouver artists. So, yeah. And then uh, Aboriginal Day, please come on down. It's going to be great at Trout Lake, Victoria Park. It's going to be great. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Murray Porter. 
Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, hi to everybody out there. And please come and see me play. If you, if you see me coming in town, come on and see me. Thank you so much. All right. That was Mary Porter. And, um, you know, one of the things I, I really found interesting about um, the last keynote speech at the NCRC, the National Community Radio Conference that I was away at last week, one of the things they said was that art can, is activism inherently. And, uh, yeah, I like supporting the activist art. I think that it's something that people at home can enjoy. If that's not your thing, if activism's not your thing, then you don't have to enjoy it in that way. But anytime someone makes art, um, you know, you're going against being being normal, I guess, quote unquote. You're going against the idea of, of not producing art for your community. You are going against that idea. And then you have this whole other layer of when you really take something that you're so talented at and you connect it to something that you care very much about. And I just think that's amazing. So I'm really, really happy to have the art support support those events, especially when things like, and I posted this on our Facebook, so you can go, you can like us, you can read it. Um, where you know some of the a lot of the culture blogs and the culture beats are getting shut down for the mainstream media. So I hope that we can keep doing this at the Earth Report and all around uh, community radio. I'm so hot on community radio right now, you guys. Um, we are going to take a quick break, and when we get back, I'm going to give you the full details about what's happening tomorrow. Some of the other artists that are going to be playing. Um, we have actually a suggestion from Matthew Grenlin about some music we can play. Um, that is um, what I thought is a, a kind of a cool new version of uh, some of some of some really great artists, uh, Red Soul Blues. So we will be right back after this brief message from uh, the Friendship Center. Since 1963, the Vancouver Aboriginal Friendship Centre Society has been meeting the needs of Aboriginal people making the transition to urban Vancouver. The Friendship Centre provides programs in health, welfare and equality and has made its goal to help Aboriginal families, youth, adults, elders and children access health information and education and maintain their Aboriginal cultural ties and values. For more information or to volunteer, visit us at 1607 East Hastings Street or online at www.vacfs.org. Become a friend of CITR and get great discounts in the Main Street area at Antisocial Skateboard Shop, Devil May Wear, Flaming Angels Boutique, Lucky's Comics, Neptune Records, Red Cat Records, The Regional Assembly of Text, RX Comics, Temple of the Modern Girl, and The Wallflower Modern Diner. It pays to be a friend of CITR. To learn more, come visit us in room 233 of the sub on UBC campus or check us out online at citr.ca. What we're listening to there is Motherless Child by Red Soul Blues. And you can find them on their SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash rosegots hyphen blues R-O-S-E-G-O-T-Z hyphen D-A-B-L-U-E-Z. And uh, I thought this was a really great suggestion by Matt, um, who, you know, if you liked the quote-unquote native soul of... Uh, of Murray Porter. Uh, these are actually a brand new First Nations musical project 
featuring long-serving local musician Rose Sakama on vocals. And uh, there is actually an interview about being a First Nations musician in Canada, and you can hear part one on podcast 115 of Stranded, the Australian-Canadian music show, um, or uh, ozstranded.wordpress.com. And Motherless Child is actually an old American spiritual hymn. So the annual Trout Lake National Aboriginal Day celebrations are coming up tomorrow. You've heard me speak about this a bunch and today. And I just wanted to give you the full deets as they say those kids, they're saying it. So it's on Coast Salish Territory at Trout Lake, and it's a community-based full day of events. So it celebrates not just our local Aboriginal peoples and their lands, but Aboriginal people all across Canada, First Nations, Métis, Inuit, um, and their experiences, stories, games, um, just the general community celebrations that happen. And all the events are free, and all Aboriginal community members and supporters are welcome. Um, they wanted me to note that this is a family-friendly event, so no alcohol or drugs are permitted. But do, do, do bring your cameras and video recorders. CITR will be there. We will bring, be bringing our recorders, and you can hear those interviews on Monday from 3 to 5 p.m. Here's some other Friendship Centre events. The Vancouver Aboriginal Friendship Centre Society uh, is an amazing educational and community place at 1607 East Hastings Street. There's actually a pancake breakfast beginning at 9 a.m. Then there will be a friendship walk from the Friendship Centre to Trout Lake beginning at 11. And then the walk starts um, and then goes through Commercial Drive. So there's a map online. Trout Lake, if you're not familiar with it, is actually um, just off Victoria, I believe. Um, there's going to be a stage with entertainment, a teepee village with activities for children, powwow dancing, an arts and crafts fair, and a resource fair. Um, and you can look up more at bcaboriginalday.com. And I, I've actually been to a number of community events at Trout Lake. I have not been to a National Aboriginal Day but it's a really lovely setting for connecting as both Murray Porter and Ganarji mentioned with the um, connecting with the connection that the Aboriginal community still maintains with their natural environment and really could be a saving grace for a lot of us. Um, a lot of uh, really interesting artists are going to be there. There was some mentioned in the Murray Porter interview. Here's a couple that I'm interested in. From an arts point of view, there is Melanie LaCoy. She is a spoken word artist from the Katsi First Nation, and she works with the Knowledgeable Youth First Nations Association and uh, Nabor no Knowledgeable Youth Aboriginal <laughs> Association, excuse me, Kaya. And her main goal is, as I said, to empower youth. She's a full-time student at the Native Education College, and she's completing the Family and Community Counseling Program and she's a little bit hard to find online. So if you're interested in learning a little bit more of this single mother of five, um, she sings and plays the traditional hand drum, then please go and check her out at the event. Uh, another um, couple of artists uh, are dance that I'm interested in. There's the Four Corners Dancers. Now they are um, coming 
um, from different nations from all over Turtle Island. And the other were the Eastern Sky Ambassadors, or ESA, and they are a troupe of Iroquois artists and cultural knowledge holders. And so these dance events, um, from what I have participated with at the Vancouver Aboriginal Friendship Centre, um, and, and you know, my participation with dance as an audience member in general is that it, it really can express much more than words could ever do. So those are some events that I would um, recommend checking out. Thank you so much for joining us um, for this little mini taste of what's going to be happening tomorrow and what's been happening all around. Personally, I wish that I could uh, give even more context and have spoken to even more artists, but I appreciate everyone who was able to help me out with this show, including uh, Gennady O'Sullivan and Matthew Granlund, uh, Shirag from News 101.9, who interviewed Murray Porter, our Juno Award winner. Um, I also want to mention Murray was actually, um, and this is something that didn't get mentioned in the interview, um, was asked to sing um, the Aboriginal welcome song for the opening ceremonies of the 2010 Vancouver Winter Olympics, along with seven other Aboriginal um, uh, singers. So if you were at the opening ceremonies, you have already seen them live. Um, and so I'd also like to uh, thank Amy and Sarah as well from the Irving K. Barber Library and the Waywild Library um, for speaking to me a little bit about what's going on at UBC. Please check out Wind Spirit Whispers on Mondays with Gennarji O'Sullivan as well as Nation to Nation on CJSF. And for more information, you can check her out online at CJSF or Co-op Radio websites. Again, thanks for everyone for listening. And we have a lot more amazing stuff coming up next week about the Indian Summer Festival. And um, we also have uh, an event coming up for our CITR called the Zig Zig Gallery. From those in the know, this is from the same amazing producers who did Bill You Murray Me and the Stevenson Gallery, which is contemporary pop, <laughs> just silly figures. I mean, except for Bill Murray, who is a god, uh, and uh, create some art. And it's super community oriented. They are looking for submissions. So just look up Zig Zig Gallery or Spice Girls Art online. Um, you can actually check out our post. We are sponsoring the event. The Arts Report is a sponsor, CITR.ca. And we will have some interviews about from the people organizing the event and the Toast Collective, which is hosting the event, which is an amazing venue that you will want to know about if you are an artist. Um, now, Motherless Child, Red Soul Blues Special. This now is actually the Lady Red Mix, so it's a remix. So rather than our normal acapella, I am going to leave you with the rest of this uh, amazing song. Please, please enjoy. You've been listening to CITR 101.9, and please continue to listen. Up next, we've got Discord Radio with CJ.